so many women kind of fall into this trap of treating dating like just another job and treating dates like job interviews where going through and swiping, we're setting up multiple dates in a week. And I, I say this to my clients and they always initially get really like, oh, I don't like this. But you know, what happens if you just date for fun for a year? We're not getting in a relationship. We're not having kids. We're just, we're going to have fun. We're going to learn about ourselves. Welcome to Successful, the podcast, a show about the stories of women redefining success. We're your hosts. I'm Carla. And I'm Natalie. Like you, we're two career women figuring out the meaning of success. In each episode, we bring you our stories and the stories of other women who are redefining success in life, in work, and on their own terms. Hey, Natalie. Hey, Carla. How's it going? It's going well. I am so excited to chat again. Welcome to season two of Successful the Podcast. Welcome to season two. I cannot believe that we made it. We've talked a lot about it, I guess, that like we're impressed with ourselves that we made it to season two. But <laughs> little pat on the back. We made it to season two. Hey, we've learned from Anna, who was our guest in season one, that a lot of podcasters don't make it past the first year. We're still in our first True. year. But we have gone to a second season, which I think is a big milestone. I'm pretty I think so too. Excited. I feel, I feel like we have beaten the statistics that she gave us that most podcasts I think so too. only release like two episodes. So I think we've far beaten that and we're continuing on. So powering yeah. through. Yeah. Season two, more seasoned. I think we're more relaxed about a few things. I think we've gotten mm -hmm. our processes down. And I think that we've grown in our love for the podcast, right? Like there's a lot of little kinks to figure out when you're just starting out. And I feel like in season two, you get to enjoy the process a little bit more. You get to be a little bit more, instead of just figuring things out, you're a little bit more intentional about mm -hmm. how you're producing the podcast, who you're having on the show and things like that. And so I'm feeling really good starting out our, I, our second I season. Too. Yeah, it feels like, um, yeah, like you said, seasoned. It made me think of like seasoning like a steak before you put it on the grill. But <laughs> maybe we are like We're a nice steaks. piece of beef. <laughs> a nice T-bone. Um, yeah. yeah, something like that. <laughs> sorry so, to all of our vegetarians out there. <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry. Some seasoned um, zucchini. There you go. Anyway. Seasoned veggies <laughs> on the grill. Which was actually part of my summer. You know, we took the summer yeah. off and we rested. And I think that was something that we both very consciously chose to take time off. We weren't very active on our Instagram account. We were just kind of, we really took time off, which we, we both really treasured. Um, and now the fall is like going back to school. We're going back to the podcast, back to work. What was your summer like, Natalie? What did you do? That's a good question. I was thinking back, like, when was the last time we recorded and put an episode out um, so I don't repeat some of the things that I had already done? But <laughs> but it was really it was really a summer of routine, which was actually really nice. I am not a routine-oriented person naturally, but my husband is, and he has, you know, in our time together, made me a very routined person just by osmosis, I feel like. But it has been a routine very much of I get up, you know, five days a week and I go to the gym, I make my breakfast, I'm eating healthy, I'm, you know, getting 10,000 steps a day. So I've got these like health regimens that are structuring my days. And so it keeps me very busy. And also work has been very, you know, alternating through busy and not busy, but stressful all the same. Um, so that always keeps me on my toes. But I have made some time to do a few creative projects and the one that I'm working on right now is another chair project. So I'm learning how to weave seats on a chair. So I, I don't know if you've ever seen those chairs that have the woven seats. They're called mm -hmm. rush style. Yeah. So it's like a fiber that's woven. Yeah. So Neat. I have, I have these chairs that I found that were super cheap their chair, the seats were not woven, but I think they should be. So I learned how to weave and I bought the fiber and I've been like actually doing that. So that's one thing. Um, people think I'm crazy. I think my, my parents think that I'm insane 
they're like, you have a good job. Why can't you just buy some regular chairs? But it's not fun that way. Not the same. Not the same. So other than that, um, we're preparing to do some home renovations. So awesome. It is awesome. It's very exciting. Very daunting. Per usual, we're taking it on all ourselves. We don't have like a contractor or a designer or anything. So are you renovating particular rooms of the house or just the entire thing? (laughs) I mean, eventually it will be the entire thing, but step by step, right? So we're going to start with bathrooms. Nice. So we're starting, we've got two guest bathrooms and then our master bathroom and everything is so fabulously 90s, you know, just as 90s as you could get. (laughs) And I want it to go. So we're going to yep. start with the guest bathrooms and go from there. But nice. that was that was the majority of my summer. Lots of routine, some creativity, um, you know, not a lot of travel. And I feel like yours was pretty much the opposite, if I can speak <laughs> yeah. for you. Yeah. People couldn't see me, but my jaw dropped when you said you are getting 10,000 steps every day and on top. <laughs> when you told me that that Matt, your husband, wakes you up at 6 a.m. every day. I was like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> That's <almost laughs> miserable. It does. It does. But, and it, it helps, though. It helps you to just, yeah. like, move through each day. Yeah. It really does. And I actually, yeah, I have been traveling a lot. We spent the whole summer in Colorado. My husband and, and I have, have been in this beautiful state. Gosh, I feel so lucky that that – the state has welcomed us with open arms and we have been going from place to place and we've been traveling, but we've also been staying in different parts of Colorado for longer periods of time to really get to know, you know, more of the locals and just feel a little bit more part of the community. That was an important thing for us um, this summer. So yeah, we've been going to music festivals and we went to a really cool RV gathering with other RVers and had like you know all kinds of events and scavenger hunts and potlucks and live shows music did some karaoke in front of a lot of people that was pretty brave brave that is brave summer (laughs) (laughs) but you and then I found out you're a great singer though which I did not know fun fact about Carla is she can actually sing well karaoke sure yeah (laughs) No, I do Noah, love to sing. When we met up, Noah said that you have a great singing voice, oh, and I have oh. not heard it. But you know, I trust him. So <laughs> well, I'm just going to be biased as my husband. But I do, I do sing some mean renditions of Shakira. You know, Ooh, Shakira okay. and Ronstadt are my muses. Sometimes a little Lady Gaga, maybe if my voice is warm enough. <laughs> That is so awesome. Which actually reminds me that we haven't done much karaoke this summer in general. We need to change that. But anyway, um, one of the great things about summers is that my birthday falls in the summer in August. And so we, Noah and I, took um, a few days off and just put our backpacks on, stuffed them with all our camping equipment, our tent, our sleeping bags, sleeping pads, you know, you name it, drive freeze-dried food, all the things. And we hiked up to a lake, a beautiful, gorgeous lake up at like 12,000 feet, almost 13,000 feet, eh, closer to 12,000. Um, and climbed up and we're just completely disconnected from our phones, from our to-dos. And I try to do that. I've been trying to do that on, on my birthdays these last few years because I just find that really rejuvenates my soul, my mind. Um, and so, yeah, so we did that this, this summer and I read a whole book in one day. I read Into the Wild, which was kind of maybe not the best book to read when you're out in the wild, because <laughs> if you've ever read it or watched the movie, the ending is pretty sad, but it's a great book, really great book. So, so yeah, that's what we've been up to. Just exploring Colorado. We'll be here for a few more weeks. And then as the weather starts to push us out. We'll continue to search good weather, you know, heading wow. south to Arizona, Utah. And yeah, so it's it been sounds good. Like, it just sounds like the most wonderful summer, like adult summer camp, like getting to do all of these <laughs> events with fellow RVers, which 
side note, I'm always impressed how you guys live in your camper, but you have such a good community throughout yeah. the country. It's very cool. And I don't think a lot of people would know that, that that's something that's possible. It um, really is. Yeah. We're part of an organization and that makes it easy for us to meet up. And we've met a lot of people. We just hung out with some other friends just last weekend because when you're, ha when you happen to be in the same area, the same town, it's just like, Oh, Hey, you're here too. Well, let's meet up and let's have potlucks and hang out and enjoy each other's company. And so I think that our community is much stronger now than it probably was when we were living in Dallas. It's fascinating so it's kind to of me. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's surprising. Wow. So I, I love that you did talk about habits um, and just routine. And that is something that I've also been trying to do this summer. I've been getting much more into weightlifting and exercising and meditating in the mornings. I really try to wake up by 630. It's really, really hard. It's hard. <laughs> when it is. my puppies and my husband are snuggled in bed. Oh, my goodness. And it's dark out because we're in Colorado. So, you know, it's mm -hmm. earlier here for us. And so the sun doesn't come out until, you know, later, later in the you know, eight o'clock or whatever. Yeah. Um, but it's a perfect segue to introduce our first guest of season two. I'm super, super excited about our conversation with her. Her name is Becky Daniels, and she is the co-founder of a matchmaking company. I mean, how cool is that? It's like a dream job. It really is. I mean, it's one of the coolest things. I never even thought that that was something that you could do beyond like, you know, someone back in the 90s who did it without the internet. Oh, I know. I know. And which, what's really cool is that even though there's been an advent of dating apps and using online tools to, you know, to expand possibilities in the dating world, her concept is actually very much focused on in-person mm -hmm. connection. Yeah, you know, which I think is it's a great way to it's an innovative way that goes back into the way things used to be done, but it feels innovative for today. It does. So, yeah. So Becky's on the show. I'm really excited to go into that. And some of the things that we talked about with her are exactly that the importance of having habits that support your well-being, that support this idea of having flow in our lives. And the little nugget that I just loved um, that we'll get into with her was this idea of creating magic in our daily lives and how our habits support that. Yeah. So if you're up for it, Natalie, I am ready to dive in to our first episode. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's All right. <laughs> Let's get into our discussion with Becky Daniels. Here we go. Becky and I went to college together. We went to Syracuse University. We both studied public relations in undergrad. We both took classes together. I have very vivid memories of sitting in PR classes. And since then, it's been a joy to watch Becky's career evolve over time. Today, she's the director of community relations for an organization in the state of New York. But as an entrepreneurial project, and I imagine very much a passion project and something very meaningful to her, Becky is the co-founder of Micropolitan Matchmakers, which is an organization that helps people that live in small and medium-sized cities find love. Becky, hello and welcome. Hi. Thank you so much for that welcome. And I'm like now transported back to those very same PR classes in my brain. Yep. I, I love it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, good times. They always were very creative. We were doing PR campaigns and creating all kinds of materials and press kits and all sorts of stuff. It was stuff. very hands-on. I use so much of that even today. So it's nice That's to yeah, dial that oh, back in my brain. Our professors would be quite pleased to hear that. Agreed. <laughs> so Vicky, tell us a little bit about you and, you know, on the personal front, but also what inspired you to go into the dating business world and launch this organization, Micropolitan Matchmakers. Absolutely. Well, um, you know, I think I've always been a connector and that's something I've always really, really enjoyed. And I've also always had this desire, this entrepreneurial desire, uh, but never really could hit on what it, how I wanted to channel that. 
Um, and so in my current role, I'm the director of a community relations team. So I get to do a lot of really cool community connecting on that front. But uh, two years ago, mid pandemic, you know, we're in isolation. It's it was already hard to meet people. And now we're all, you know, locked down in our homes. And especially, you know, in the state of New York, we had some pretty intense, you know, shutdown orders. And I had connected with my co-founder, Gabby, a few years before that. And we had just started kind of talking and, and, you know, we were both still single through this pandemic and really, you know, what are the, there's, there's a gap here. There's, you know, we, we really love meeting people in person. We're really good in person. We're struggling. We hate the apps. It felt like work. You're just going through person after person. It feels like a job interview. So we had a lot of time on our hands at that point to talk through and ideate uh, what, what could fill that niche and what could fill that gap. And that's how Micropolitan Matchmakers was born. Um, so you referenced, I'm in upstate New York, so not the big city, um, Albany kind of capital region area. So we're about a million people strong, which is big, but it's not huge. And, you know, we'd hear all the time, it's so hard. You date or, or you see all the same people on these dating apps. And we both just felt like there was a lot more potential in our area than what people were saying. And I, I think that's true of most small and medium-sized regions. It's just really about tapping into those places where people aren't. Swiping has made it so easy to just kind of do that and be lazy about our dating lives where, you know, our whole mission is to get people off of their apps and into, you know, dating IRL and, uh, and get out in their communities to meet people doing things they love to do. That's so neat. So are you working right now? Is the organization really based just in New York for the moment? And are there plans to expand it to other small and medium-sized cities over time? Definitely. We actually started, our original name was Capital Heart Connection, and we were really focused on the capital region. But and as we started doing some research and hearing from other people who, as we would put events out there, we'd get random messages from people in smaller cities all over the country saying, we, we want this. How do I make this happen in my town? So, you know, about eight months in, we had the conversation that we really should think more broadly and start that now because it'll be easier to sh make those shifts and be prepared for that scaling now versus doing it later once, you know, things are a little bit more established. So it is really focused right now on the capital region of New York, but um, we are looking more broadly. And I also, as a part of all of this, I'm a dating coach. And that's actually what I started even before the matchmaking side of things. And I do that virtually. So I actually do have clients in other places too. And, and all of that is through video. So that was one of the great things about the pandemic. It's like, we all realized that these things are possible to do kind of beyond the borders of our immediate town. Um, so that piece of the business does span beyond upstate New York. Okay. To know. Um, thank you for, for clarifying that. I'm very curious. So, I'm a coach too. I focus more on the life and career aspect. And I'm just so curious to dive a little bit more on the what it's like to be a coach on the dating side. And I imagine that there's, I mean, dating is hard, right? Like, there's a lot of insecurities, there's a lot of um, blocks, limiting beliefs, probably, that people experience as they're putting themselves out there and meeting people, especially in person. It's so easy to hide behind that phone virtually. So what do you find often holds, especially women who are our primary audience who listen to this podcast, what do you find is often holding women back from, from finding love and from putting themselves out there and getting what they want, not just in their love lives, but perhaps even generally in, in, in their life overall? Well, and you know what, Carla, when you said mindset, that is really, and that's um, mindset coaching is really what my my training is in. And then I kind of niched down with dating because it was such a passion project for me. And, you know, full disclosure, I'm single too. So a lot of people ask, well, like what qualifies you if you're still single and dating? But I'm, you know, I've, I've worked this out and I'm not settling for, for the kind of mediocre things that I think a lot of us settle for or the fixer uppers, Natalie, like what you referenced early on. Um, so, I, but mindset is really to answer your question. I think where my female clients really do struggle the most. I think a lot of them, similar to probably the listeners of this podcast, they're successful women who have achieved a lot in every area of their life. And they treat dating sort of like any other project or thing that they've achieved. So, you know, you think about your career, uh, your education, you work really hard, you have goals, you set them. It's, you know, almost a clear path. And I know not everyone's path is easy, but it's like, we kind of know what we need to do to achieve this success and have this roadmap. Dating is this totally different 
type of endeavor, but we try to treat it the same as things in our career or things in education when really it's a much more uh, feelings-based endeavor. You know, you need to be really in touch with what you're looking for, how you want to feel. And I think so many women kind of fall into this trap of treating dating like just another job and treating dates like job interviews. We're going through and swiping. We're setting up multiple dates in a week. We're sitting down and asking the same questions. Uh, We're worrying a lot about whether or not that person likes us versus whether we actually like and want to spend more time with this person. Um, So there's just, there's a lot of that that I think really trips people up. So we lose the humanity, we lose the fun, we lose the sexiness. You know, dating is is fun and there's a sensual flirtatious piece to it. But so many of us, especially really career focused women, are kind of lost in that space and, and treating it like a job versus treating it like a, a fun, sexy, flirtatious thing to do. Yeah. It can be such a job with these apps. I think the apps yes. have turned it into, I mean, they're awesome, but it becomes so arduous to just yes. flip through these people. And you're seeing the same people if you log on, you're like, oh my God, that person again. You know, it's like, I don't want to see my cousin on the dating <laughs> app. But, you know, it's it's just so tough nowadays. You've absolutely nailed it. I mean, and it takes, the apps especially take the humanity out mm-hmm. of the entire process because we can now put people into boxes and categories very easily based on an algorithm, um, you know, and, and checking off whatever app you're on, you know, right. what your parameters are versus meeting someone in real life. You know, there's all this data about uh, the height of men and um, what <laughs> heterosexual women are looking for. And, you know, they set their parameters to six feet or above, but you might meet someone, you know, if you like, love to hike, you might meet someone on a trail who's five nine and hit it off in a conversation and fall madly in love with that person who you never would have come across because you have your your app set to six foot and above. Mm-hmm. And what's really the difference between five nine? I and know. Six feet? <laughs> That's one of the biggest things that I see is like these physical characteristics. People yeah. have this thing in their mind of what they envision their person to look like, and when you're on the app, that's it's very much a visual thing. So you're just looking yes. for that physical side of things because you have no initial impression of their personality. Absolutely. It's so easy to do. And Mm -hmm. I think, you know, there are certain categories where I will, if I do have clients that are on the apps and we are working on trying to, you know, if they decide they want to stay on the apps while we're working together, how to make it a little less arduous, you know, there are things I'll coach on, on how to get people to rule themselves out, but it's almost in fact, it's never based on a physical characteristic. I think there's ways that you can talk about your values, the lifestyle that you want to live, the things that are important to you in your app where someone might see that, you know, we're, we're in a very politically charged environment these days, no matter where you live. And if that's going to be a deal breaker for you, you know, there's ways that you can share things in your profile where someone might look at it and say, well, you know, good luck to them, but that person's probably not for me. And they self-select out because really in the in this process, it's about quality over quantity. If you're just dating everyone that meets a set of minimum physical characteristics, you are going to be exhausted. I'm curious how you guys move off of the apps and make it more of this IRL experience, this in real life experience. So do you guys set up events and, you know, mingles? Like what do you guys do to make it more personal? We do. And in fact, that's how the matchmaking started was really just the events. And Gabby and I realized quickly that we have a knack for picking up on people's energy in real life at at these events and saying, oh, you need to talk to this person. And a lot of the folks that are coming, especially when we were new before we really had any kind of reputation locally, this was a, a big step for people and they were very shy. But we could talk to someone, work the room separately and together and kind of bring people together and create these great little moments. And so the events piece is definitely huge. And, um, but the one thing that people kept asking for was paid matchmaking services. So, you know, you can only hear the question so many times and think this is a gap that we can fill and it would be really fun. So we took a course and worked on making sure, you know, there's a lot more to matchmaking than just putting people together. There's business, there's liability, there's, you know, finding a CRM system that's going to work for our needs and all of these other things. But, you know, the liability, the safety piece was really important to me. So that's what we focused a lot as we were, you know, taking our class and looking through like how we were going to set up the businesses, you know, making sure people are safe. 
what background check? Like my first question was what background check software are we going to yeah. use? Because we're not going to oh, set people up man. with, you know, people with criminal records because right. there's, you read a lot of scary things. So mm-hmm. safety was really huge for us in making sure we, we were doing it right. But the, the, it all started with events and Gabby and I met because both of our jobs at the time were very event focused. We both did a lot. I worked in tourism at the time as the tourism director for my county and Gabby worked in marketing. So we loved our town. We loved all these businesses that we got to work with and places we got to go. So it was sort of like an economic development thing too that we were working on and it just grew into this whole, whole other endeavor that's been beautiful to watch it unfold. And I can sense that energy of just loving what you're doing. I mean, Natalie and I are very inspired. And I think I told you this in some of our exchanges that your Instagram account is just so colorful and vibrant and you just can't help but want to get to know you and Gabby. I mean, the work that you're doing, I think is just is fantastic. And I love that you're sharing what you do on a practical level, meaning the events, um, certainly the background checks, you know, putting people, you know, connecting people but I also love that mindset piece. I know that in my in my work um, coaching women, I hear quite often, especially women in their 30s, very successful women, they've accomplished so much in their careers, and they will say, I didn't think that I'd be single by 30 yeah. or 35. Like, I thought for sure that I'd be married by now. So I think that yeah. that mindset piece of, of removing those blocks of oh, what's wrong with me? Why am I not? with someone already, I think is so important in order to, to open the doors and allow oneself to, to meet people and, and attract the right person versus yes. put up those blocks. And, you know, you, you really nailed it too with the timeline piece. I think that's another thing, you know, another theme with mindset and women in dating is this, you know, by 30 or by 35. And, you know, I ended a relationship in March and right after I turned 36 and, you know, I'd like to have kids someday. And these are real things that we think about and it's really difficult, but, um, you know, I work with a coach too. I think every good coach needs to have their own team and their own people that they work with. And I've talked to her a lot about, um, you know, just being open and letting things flow versus these timelines. Cause it's so society tell we've been groomed with these timelines forever. So there's so much unlearning and letting go that needs to happen in this process. But, you know, I think the magic really happens and I've, I've come back to this too of, and I, I say this to my clients and they always initially get really like, Ooh, I don't like this, but you know, what happens if you just date for fun for a year? like no expectation. You're just going to put it out there in the universe that you're just going to date as many people as possible that are, you know, that share your values that you you might find interesting with no expectations. We're not getting in a relationship. We're not having kids. We're just, we're going to have fun. We're going to learn about ourselves. There's ways to do it and make it fun. Mm -hmm. And every time we have that initial conversation, I can see it. Even if we're on a video chat, like this tightness starts to creep in and they're like, Oh, I don't, I don't know how I feel about that. But as we talk through it and start to put that into practice, they're always, it just, there's a lightness that comes about. And sometimes, you know, it takes a few sessions, but I think the timeline thing is huge. We've got to let it go. And we're lucky enough to live in an era where, you know, a lot of things are possible even later in life. And there's a lot of different ways to have a family. Cause I do know that that biological piece you know, is, is tough for women who want that part of their lives. Um, so that is something to work through, but there's, there's a lot of ways to do it. And so if we can just relax and take a breath and feel our way through it, it, it really is, it becomes so much more fun. And from the mindset piece also, you said earlier that you want to help women connect with their feelings, how they're feeling about, you know, this person sitting in front of them, really tap into um, why they're there probably. So how do you coach your clients into tapping into their feelings? That is, that is a great question. And it's a little bit hard to answer, though I will. I don't want mm-hmm. to sound like I'm being coy. It really can be different for every person. And yeah. you know, I share often when I do consults um, for potential new clients that when I first started coaching, I had this very you know, it's similar to what I was telling you, how we work with dating. Like I had a formula, like, all right, well, in session one, we're going to talk about this. And in session two, these are the questions I'm going to ask. And very quickly, I threw that out the window because obviously everyone is different. Everyone is struggling. You know, we have a lot of the same themes, but everyone's, you know, past trauma is different or socialization, dating history. We're all bringing different things to the table. So to answer your question, 
on as basic a level as possible is we really do a lot of work in that first month together on getting super clear about what we want. How do I want to feel? How do I want that person to make me feel? What's my attachment style? What are my love languages? All things that I think are kind of a little bit more culturally relevant and present that people have heard of, but let's dig into this and what that means, what that person looks like, not the package that they come in, but what are the things that we want to do together? What are the shared values I want to have? What's the lifestyle I want to live? So once we're clear on what we want, we practice, you know, here's some questions that we can ask on the first couple of dates to try to get to the, you know, the bottom or get the answers of will these things match with us? But um, really, I, I share this a lot. And there's a, a matchmaking hero of mine that I follow very closely on Instagram, Matchmaker Maria. She's great. And I utilize her advice a bunch too, that the only job you have on a first date is to decide if you want to have a second date. And so that whole tapping into the feelings is less, does he like me? Does he like me? Does he like me? And more, do I like him? Am I having fun? Am, is he making me feel self-conscious or is he making me feel good about myself? Like, how's the physical connection? You know, it, am I sensing that there might be an attraction here? You don't need to answer all of those questions definitively, but is there enough there to warrant wanting to go on a second date? Are you having enough of a good time to want to spend a little bit more time with that person? And slowly but surely, as you focus on that, the relationship can often sort of unfold very naturally on its own without you having to stress yourself out about, oh, well, when should I ask him if we're exclusive and when should I do this and when should I do that? If you just get out of your head and focus yeah. on what you're feeling in the moment. it Again, I keep coming back to fun, but that just makes the whole process uh, so much more natural and so much more fun. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah, I, I, thank you for, for expanding on that. And it's absolutely true. I, I share your sentiments too with my coaching practice of like wanting to have a formula and we do this and do this. And sometimes that works in certain cases, but you have to follow the client. You have to go in their direction because every client has specific path, you know, and, and specific needs and desires. And I love that you dive that, that first month into really helping you know, that individual get to know themselves. So then they can show up as, as the best version of themselves for others. And I'm curious, as we talk about mindset, and we talk about having those feelings of empowerment, I'm sure that for you as an entrepreneur, um, as a co-founder, as a director of community engagement, I'm sure there's been ups and downs in your own career with your own mindset and your, your own emotions and, and your self-belief. Tell us a little bit about your journey in your career that has, what, what, you know, what's that journey been like that has led you here to be this co-founder of this incredible organization? And what have been some of those highs and lows that have really helped you to grow as, as an individual? Oof, that is a great question. And let me try to unpack it slowly so I answer all parts of it. <laughs> it's a big question. It's a big question. Take it in any direction you want. <laughs> well, I think a big general theme, and, you know, truthfully, I've, I've been thinking about this a lot lately because there's a lot of change and some churn, I would actually say, going on in, in my nine to five job right now um, through this merger that we're going through. And it's another example in my career where I felt a little bit frustrated, to be honest, that you know, when you're working for someone else, when you're working for a large company, there's a lot of factors that dictate your path, no matter how hard you work. And I'm someone who has really, maybe this is part of why I have been single for so long. I've, I find so much of my identity and my passion in life through whatever job it is that I've had. And I've transitioned industries, but really stayed in, a, in community-focused connector-type roles throughout my career. And the entrepreneurial piece and what's been so exciting for me is, especially having a co-founder, is I still have a partner in this journey and someone to bounce ideas off of. And we're very good yin and yang. Like when I'm not having as great of a day, you know, I, we call Gabby, she's the chief hype woman, um, in addition to being co-founder, because she's just such a good pump up presence in life. And, and I like to be able to do that for her when, when she's having those down days. I think being the creator of my own adventure and, you know, certainly there will be highs and lows in this. My, both my, I have a dad and a stepdad, they're both entrepreneurs. They would say all the time, you know, are you sure you want to do this? This is really hard. Like it's all you, but there's this idea of not being the the master of your own destiny, because it's not about holding on to so much control, but just that I can put heart into what I'm doing and know that that return is going to come versus, 
you know, working in a different environment and not always feeling like I have the influence I'd like to have or, um, you know, and, and certainly this is not the first time in a role where I felt like a lot of external forces were really shaping what I was doing in a way that didn't feel good to me, but that I did not have the ability directly to change. And, you know, certainly as coaches, we know we can always change our mindset. We can approach things in a different way. We can kind of figure that piece out. But if I'm not able to make those tangible contributions that I want to make and kind of shape the destiny that I want to have, you know, I'll share the the job before the job I have now. I was executive director of the founding executive director of the tourism promotion agency for um, the county that I live in. And, you know, the first year and a half of it was really easy. We were building the organization. So everybody's moving in the same direction. It's, you know, creating a brand, creating a website, all of these goals were very, very clear. But as soon as we got up and running, there was a lot of kind of competition among the board that I answered to and a lot of mis-messaging and being pulled in directions that, you know, it just got to a point where it felt really impossible to overcome and get everyone rowing in the right direction. So when the opportunity came up for the job that I have now, it felt like a really nice change of pace. But now again, you know, I find myself in this spot of going through another big change at work and having to figure out where I fit in and what I want or don't want. And so, you know, the entrepreneurial journey, I think there's something really special about it and being able to create that environment, you know, for ourselves. I'll, I'll put Gabby in that, you know, it's it's not just about me, but um, and really getting to make sure that service is at the heart of everything we're doing, like serving and, you know, my word of the year for the last few years has been love, like injecting love into everything we do. And, and we have the power to do that as the the creators of the organization. So I, ho- I hope that hits on most of your question. <laughs> it absolutely does. And I'm, I'm sensing that that love for, for what you do in that organization. And, and it almost like as you were sharing the different jobs that you've had, it's like, life is full of those flow. It's like a flow, right? There's, there's going to be moments in your career where it's exciting, and you're founding something, and it's great. And then it's normal that maybe there's a, a change in the structure of the organization and your feelings change about that work and it's okay right like we we can let go we don't have to stay so attached and and i just i just had this this visual of flow going from one to the other and welcoming each opportunity but then also listening to to really to that heart that you talk about and and believing i love you said something around your organization around how you're putting your heart into it and you just have this belief that that the payoff will will come right there's this trust it's absolutely easy it it feels easy and flow is so important and that's actually what i've been working on with my coach quite a bit is just allowing and flowing like we're putting in the work we're doing fun stuff we're holding our events we're doing our marketing plan we've got our business plan we're applying for grants like all of that stuff but to your point it's it's fun and everything is going to hit and transition naturally and you know when i a couple months ago, I had set this goal about what I wanted to, to do in coaching. And, you know, that that finance goal, that money making goal of what I wanted to hit was going to unlock all of these other decisions for me and where I was going to go next. And I came to the conclusion, honestly, only within the last few weeks that I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm kind of letting this one thing dictate so much. Why don't I just keep working? And it's not that I'm not going to hit the goal because I'm very confident that I will. But that doesn't necessarily need to start a domino effect, you know, intuitively, if I just let it, if I let it ride and listen to myself and keep up with my meditate, like all of those practices to keep my mind right, I'm going to know what the divine timing of everything is that I'm supposed to be doing. So that's, that's been a, a big piece for me is getting in flow and not trying to force things through. Cause I'm someone that, you know, when I make a decision, I, I want everything to happen really, really fast. And that's a, a big piece that I'm often getting coached on. <laughs> yeah. I love that you have a coach. I also have a coach. Every coach needs a coach. Everybody needs a coach. Everybody needs a coach. <laughs> I'm biased, right? <laughs> um, but on a, on a day-to-day basis, what are, what are the habits that you have in your career, in your personal life that get you into that, into that self-confidence you're talking about, that belief that you're going to hit your goals, that state of flow, that place of love and heart? Yeah, I have, do practically. 
I've definitely learned over the years what I need to manage. You know, I'm like many of us nowadays, I have anxiety. (laughs) Um, So I know how that manifests in my body. And I try to be really self-aware of what my energy is day to day. But in terms of habit and routine, I meditate every day for at least 15 minutes. I try to do more. Um, I had a little bit of an injury, but like moving my body is really important. So I've been really trying to kind of get back on that bandwagon, but again, not force it and just do what feels good. Some days it's a run, some days it's a walk. I'm very excited. I just ordered a Peloton. It comes Monday. So I'm jumping on that bandwagon. Um, but I, it, it's funny too. Like I also try to tune into like what's around me and, and soaking in vibes. So, you know, I love podcasts, but there are times when you just need like a good hype song. And so it's really just listening to myself every morning and, you know, I meditate and then I'll journal and ask myself, what do I need today? What's the vibe I need to bring in to get my energy where I want it? What are the, you know, the things that I need to check off the list today? Where can I, you know, allow a little room for the magic to happen? Where do I need to be really on schedule? But that, I guess, practically it's that morning routine. That is so, so, so important and prioritizing sleep because I'm someone who definitely, I read this article not too long ago is um, like when things get really busy, we tend to like want to stay up later because it feels like we have some semblance of control of our day, but really you're just robbing yourself of the next day's energy. I'm very much a night owl. So sleep hygiene has been another really big thing for me trying to go to bed at the same time every night. Um, I journal again before I go to bed just to unload the thoughts of the day. Um, so it's, I mean, those sound like really simple things, but I know what I'm like when I do them and I know what I'm like when I don't, and I much prefer to be the person who does them. I'm a big fan of morning routines too, or just routines in general, which in the past I have not been. I like you was very much a night owl until I met Matt and he's like, we need to be on like a six to 10 schedule here (laughs) (laughs) and having pets helps, but I agreed. I love what you said about your meditation, um, your journaling, tapping into what you want to do for that day, how you're feeling. And then, like you said, leaving that room for magic. And I'm sure that has helped you to feel really okay with all the decisions that you're making in your business. Because you said earlier that um, you had people coming to you asking for matchmaking, you know, one-on-one coaching. And I'm sure if you were so rigid and not listening to yourself, you'd be like, nope, that's not on the plan. We're doing these events. I'm not going to do that. Yep. (laughs) So I'm sure that has helped you to like open up to possibilities that you may not have even thought of. It's so true. And I think another piece that's really important that I've discovered in the last year, um, not that this is, you know, a lot of people don't love talking about this, but, you know, as women, we have another, you know, everybody has their circadian rhythm. As women, we have another rhythm around our bodies and women who are of menstruating years and, you know, physical capability, our bodies change, our energy changes, you know, week to week, day to day. And so um, I did a lot of reading about that. And I've also done a lot of work about where my energy is different times of the month and what should I be planning at certain times too. And, you know, routine is really important, but so is leaving room for magic because there are some days that, you know, if you're someone who forces yourself to get up and run five miles every day, there are some days where that might not be the best thing for you or your body or where your energy is. And if, you know, maybe it's a walk instead, and that's a really simplistic example, but I think paying attention to how you feel at different, different times of the month is also very, very important. And that's why I try to ask myself every day what I need versus forcing myself into a super rigid routine. There's, there has to be a little bit of balance, a little bit of flow, like what we were talking about from day to day too. So I'm curious how you feel different on those days when you do, you know, stick to your routine, you have your mindfulness versus the days when you don't. Well, and the mindfulness piece is something that I all like, this is a commitment I have made to myself. It's almost Mm -hmm. more that like physical movement piece, but it's that mindfulness check-in in the morning that lets me set up the rest of my, the rest of my day and kind of figuring out where that energy is, where I make those decisions of, you know, some days I eat really healthy and some days I really want some chocolate or some salt and vinegar chips. And you know what? Like, let's be intuitive. And if our body wants that, like, let's do it. So it's, it's really like those decisions that, um, you know, and if you go a little too far in one direction of eating food that isn't, you know, great for you, I always feel it. And then I, I correct back and I let my body tell me what it needs. I know, um, you know, I, I will share in 
more difficult times. Like there were some points during the pandemic and the isolation where I let a lot of those things slide. The anxiety takes over. We don't know where we're going to be from. Well, I guess we all were in our apartments from one moment to the next, but you know, we don't know where things are going. And so much was uncertain. Um, but that's where like, I know my anxiety really does take over and that manifests in a lot of really not fun ways, whether it's, you know, depression, not wanting to get out of bed or, or move at all. You know, there's, there's some really serious mental health things that come from, you know, and I think a lot of people struggle with that and I, and I don't think we talk about it enough. So I always try to be open that these are things I know that I need to do to maintain that level of mental health and, you know, all of our jobs are so much about other people being a coach. You, you pour yourself into your clients and to the people around you that I need to really make sure now that I'm on this path that I'm keeping my, my mind right so that I can give what I want to give to my clients. Absolutely. I love that. Huge advocate too of, of that morning routine. And I don't really do the nighttime piece that you talked about. Like I just kind of drop into bed and that's it. I read maybe. <laughs> so I'm going to try that uh, because I do think that it's valuable to, to just unload all the weight from the day. Um, and I know for me, I do, I force myself. It sounds, I don't mean to sound so forceful, but I really do encourage myself. I push myself to write at least three pages in the morning. Wow. Yeah. Because sometimes I'll be like, no, I don't have anything to say today. And then I find that if I just keep writing, even if I write down, I don't have anything to say today, <laughs> it usually you always have something to say. Have something to say. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And it's a great way to set intentions and to complain and dream. And for me, writing, I, I've been doing it almost for, for a year, very consistently. It's really helped me to connect a lot with what do I want? Kind of like what you're talking about. You know, how do yeah. I want to feel? What? Um, what what do I not want, right? Why am I feeling this way? And, and, and on this podcast, we talk a lot about our definitions of success. And I have used those morning pages to write down, hey, why am I why am I measuring my success today based on who I was when I was in my corporate job? What does success mean to me today? And so th that space, those types of questions, just having that space has really helped me to to answer that. And so I'm curious to know. Of course, I have to ask this question for you. What is your definition of success today? I'm sure it's very different from when you and I were in college in those PR Absolutely. classes. <laughs> yeah. So walk us a little bit through through how that definition has evolved over time and how you define it today. Well, and it's interesting too, because I've had to really challenge that again as I've been going through this this merger that I was telling you about and, and roles are shifting and you know, when teams are expanding, there's always this fear that starts to creep in and you know, am I better at this than this person? And so I've been working with my coach a lot on that definition because, you know, back in the PR days, even th you know, th through more recently, that idea of identifying as my role and my job and what I'm doing. And letting that determine so much of my self-worth, that's been a big area for me. And so success for a long time was, you know, what's my title? How much money am I making? You know, how far up can I climb? And, you know, can I make it? Like, can I get a headline? You know, we're in PR and I still have always had that kind of tie into my roles. Can I get in the paper for something that, not even necessarily me, but, you know, my organization, can I, you know, find success that way, that notoriety piece? and I can honestly say sitting here today, and this is a pretty recent shift, but success to me really looks like feeling in flow, feeling secure and comfortable in my space, having a beautiful home, being healthy, being mentally healthy, like having that routine, leaving that space for magic, connecting with my friends and family and nurturing those relationships and giving myself the space to do that. And I think when all of those things are in alignment, that success, that that maybe financial success that a lot of, you know, I've wanted for so long, all of that flows naturally, but that stuff doesn't matter if all of this other foundation isn't there. If I'm working myself to death and I don't get to see, you know, my parents for our weekly dinner or I'm not connecting with my friends and laughing and just letting myself have fun, what does any of that mean? And so I've I've really loosened up my definition of, of success and opened that up to all of the other fun pieces of life versus just chasing that corporate ladder and that paycheck and that title. And you mentioned that this definition has come to you fairly recently. What do you think has been the 
catalyst to help you discover this definition for yourself at this phase in your life. I actually do think it was some of these changes at my my nine to five job. And, you know, I don't want to speak negatively about it because nothing terrible is happening. But um, and I've gone through a merger in a previous job before. And, and so I think there was, you know, some flashbacks of that where you start to question and there's so much unknown and there's so much emotion around it. And I think, you know, the place I work now, we're, we're kind of a medium sized organization. We're moving into something much larger. So there was a little bit of a grieving process of, you know, the culture that we have and what is this all going to look like on the other side? And, you know, everyone fears the unknown. I had this job that I was like, you know, really feeling great about and had, you know, I'd been there two years, like got, had my, really my legs under me and was feeling very confident in it and big changes just shake you up. So it's not anything about, you know, new colleagues or the new company or whatever it is. It's just that internal churn in me. And I had to really start asking myself, why am I so emotional about this? Why am I, you know, one day feeling frustrated or one day feeling angry or one day feeling sad? You know, it was not that it was what it was you know, what I was, the story I was telling myself about all of these changes versus the changes themselves. So I think that's, um, you know, I've, I've had like anyone roller coasters in that definition of success and what that looks like. So this was just, I think the universe kind of nudging me back into that, that more positive direction of it's really, when it comes down to it, it's just a job. And even when we have our own business, we pour ourselves into it, but our jobs are one part of our life. It's just a job. It's not your life. Yeah. And I, I just love that definition of success. And you really hit the nail on the head that it's a journey. It's not, this is my one definition forever. It ebbs and flows as we change over time as it should. It should change with us. So I'm curious if you were to talk to yourself, you know, 10, 15 years ago, talk to younger Mm -hmm. Becky what would you say to her about your life now? And what advice would you give to her? Relax. I would tell her to relax. (laughs) (laughs) I still need to tell myself that some days, but, um, but that honestly would be the biggest thing. You know, I think the timeline piece that we were talking about, you know, I was so, um, so tied to that and thinking, you know, on the personal side, I'm going to meet my person or I need to do this or I need to, you know, everything everything is going to work out. And my coach tells me all the time and she's right when I'm, I really am a master manifester and I don't even know how I came to be that. But when I put something out in the world and I know that I, and I know that I need to make a change, um, I bring it, I, I, I make it happen. And, and I don't think I realized my power until much later. And so when I just relax, tune into what I want and how I want to feel, and start putting that vibe out into the universe. And that's kind of my, I'm not super religious, but I'm spiritual and the universe is my language for that. You know, things just happen when they're supposed to happen. And, you know, the, the interesting, the shift from my, my tourism job to the job I have now, when I was starting to feel all this churn again and getting into that headspace and getting so upset, all I needed to do was relax and slow down. And this opportunity literally just opened itself to me. It, It was like, you know, you work for everything you have, but it, I didn't even have to like try so hard. It just was there. Like it appeared and I knew that it was the right thing. I knew intuitively it was the right step. Um, so I would tell her to relax and just focus on how I'm feeling and be kind to myself. And with all of those parts of the equation, life is so much better and you can, you know, there's always going to be churn. There's always going to be things that are tough and, you know, rough roads that you navigate. Um, But if you can focus on those things, you get through those tougher periods so much more easily and, and move on from them. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. I think we could all use that message. I know I felt myself physically relaxed when you said, just relax. I was like, oh, (laughs) I'm holding a lot of tension right now too. Got to perform, right? Exactly. (laughs) Happens to all of us. Becky, I, as you were sharing your, your definition of success and you said relax, I have to say that my brain went to a particular PR class our senior year. And I remember being so wound up and so, oh, just so nervous and scared. I had my first job lined up for after college and everything was just so intense. And gosh, if I could have just relaxed and trusted that everything would 
work out fine because it did, I would have enjoyed the process so much more. Right. And I mean, you think about those years and, you know, they're farther ago than I care to really think about, but you know how much fun it really is. And I will never say it's the best four years of your life because it's really just the beginning of anyone's life, hopefully, but you know, to relax and enjoy those moments. And whenever I have like a, a mentee right now, who's going into her senior year of college next year, and she's getting ready to go abroad and same thing, she's just so stressed. She doesn't have a job lined up yet. And maybe grad school. And do I need to take this exam and all that? And every time we get together and, and even sometimes I'll just text her and go, it's okay. <laughs> take a deep breath to try to remind her because this really, that it's such a fun time in your life. And never again, do you get to, you know, live among so many of your closest friends and see people in that way all the time. You know, I, I joke, I was in a sorority in college and, uh, you know, having 30 other closets when I lived in the house was like just something I miss <laughs> even to this day where we could, you know, all share clothes and get ready to do things together. How much fun would life be if we could, you know, get ready for work with, you know, a couple of our yeah. best friends. But, um, but yeah, that relaxed piece really, it, it all, it all works out because it has to, it has to. Mm -hmm. And I, yeah. I, that's a mantra I often tell myself. Yeah. And the more you relax, the more you will manifest. I love that title. That, yes. that, what did you say? The master manifester? She says it to me all the time. I'm like, I, I don't that. even know how I do it. but Well, it's probably things flow much more easily when you it. believe, when you trust, when you honor that time for yourself to listen. So Becky, as we we uh, wrap up our episode, I, I want to ask you what what words of wisdom or, or just advice do you have with other to, to, for other women who are also or who are in this phase of redefining success for themselves and especially around how to find that magic? Because I love that particular piece that we've touched on, finding magic. What's your advice? You know, I think, um, and this piece doesn't sound as magical, but I think we need to be honest and vulnerable about our struggles and we need to talk about those things more. Um, and actually magic does come out of that. But when we talk about the dark stuff, you know, I think so many of us have again been socialized, whether we're people pleasers, you talk about being a fixer upper uh, or dating fixer uppers and that kind of thing. You know, we, we don't always talk about how hard things are. And, and I was on a panel, this was right after that things started opening back up um, in upstate New York, a, a panel specifically aimed at women professionals. And, you know, I raised my hand at one point and was like, well, I go to therapy and that's how I deal with that. And like, and sometimes I take an antidepressant and, you know, people around the room were like shocked. And then I kid you not, every person in that audience came up to me afterward and was like, thank you so much for saying that. And even in the dating realm, before I started coaching, you know, when we launched the business initially, it was just funny that we caught the attention of local news actually without even trying before our first event. And all of a sudden we were on the front page and it's like, oh, here's the fact that I am single, just plastered to the entire local community. Great. Uh, but really, as we talk about these things and just get vulnerable, it's unbelievable the number of people who thank me for that stuff. And that's that's just me trying to be real about the experience and, and about my life and, and what it's like. That's why I love platforms and, and things doing things like this so we can share that. But those words of wisdom are really be open about your struggles because you can almost guarantee that they're especially women with, with the things that we go through, whether it's, you know, harassment in the workplace or how, you know, how we're viewed, be, you know, transitioning into becoming a mom, dating, like all of these things we there are so many similarities. And when we just talk about them and get them, you know, it allows, it creates that space for magic because we're taking it out of our, that tightness in our chest and putting it into the world and leaving room for that space and that flow and that ability to relax. So be honest, be open, share the bad stuff um, just as much as we share the good stuff. Thank you so much for sharing that, that wisdom. I wholeheartedly agree vulnerability and honesty go a long way and really create a lot of connection among women, among everybody, but especially among women to know that we're not not alone in those struggles. So thank you. Becky, where can people get in touch with you, learn more about Micropolitan Matchmakers if they want to work with you? 
Um, so I have specifically for coaching, um, my website is www.beckydaniels.com. And on Instagram, I'm at Becky J O Daniels, Becky Joe Daniels. Um, uh, but for Micropolitan Matchmakers, we are micropolitanmatchmakers.com and we're at micromatchmakers on Instagram. So the, the gram are our most active channels. We really have a lot of fun <laughs> on Instagram. <laughs> Perfect. And we'll add those those handles and websites to the show notes so people can find you awesome. easily. Becky, Thank it was you. such a pleasure not just to talk because of this podcast, but just to reconnect too. It's been Same. a very long yes. time since you and I have, have connected live, but I really do feel like we've been connected, you know, watching. I have definitely been observing your career and cheering you on Same. from afar, and this has been fun to to bring it to life. So that thank is you. the joy of social media, right? Thank you so yeah. much. You literally made my day when you reached out and I'm so glad we were able to bring this to life, like you said, and make it happen live. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for joining another episode of Successful A Podcast. Until next time. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Successful. If you liked what you heard, give us a follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also follow us on Instagram at SuccessfulThePod. See you next time.